cool bananas. Okay. Was that Paul? <laughs> cool. Father, I just thank you for grace. I thank you for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for all these awesome people. Just appreciate this um, opportunity, Father, just to have you um, speak to me and through me, for you to preach to me too. Appreciate that. I thank you for humility. I thank you for grace. I thank you for the gift of um, being articulate and being onto it. Thank you, Father. Appreciate it. Thank you, Father. This um, series, God Speaks, has been uh, an interesting one, um, illuminating, challenging, um, and a very, very interesting topic, God Speaks. Um, my specific title this morning is God Speaks Christ. God Speaks Christ. To me, the voice of God as it comes to me as thoughts in my mind is always speaking of Christ, always uplifting Christ and speaking Christ over me, who he is, what he has done for me, and who I am with his spirit in me. I really believe that God wants me to have the ears of my heart tuned in to Christ and Christ alone so that every other voice is drowned out and overwhelmed by him, by Christ. I, I want to take you through a, um, <clears throat> a Bible study that I've been looking at for some weeks. And um, at times in my walk, I have found it hard to read my Bible. At times, I have found it a religious, legalistic task that I felt I had to do and perform in order for God to like me. Um, I no longer think that way. And my Bible reading now, in, in a single day, may just be several words. It may be a verse. But what the Lord is helping me to do is to think about that that word or that verse through the day. And at night, when I wake up, instead of thinking about some job I have to do or trying to figure something out, I run that word through my head. The Old Testament calls it meditating. And I know a lot of um, religions in the world do meditating. They can sit in the lotus position, which I can't, and they might hum and hold their fingers together and stuff like that. But the Bible meditation is talking about meditating on God's word and thinking about that and running that through your head. So I just wanted to look um, specifically at three verses from a letter that Paul wrote to a church at a place called Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey. It's about 100 k's from another place called Ephesus. And this is the book, um, the letter that Paul wrote to Colossae. And interestingly enough, this, this letter is quite interesting because he'd never met these people. He'd never been to Colossae. They had never met Paul in the, in the flesh, never been able to shake his hand or hug him. They never met each other. 
And the other interesting thing is that when Paul dictated this letter, he didn't write them himself, he dictated them to a scribe, and he wrote the letter out. This particular one, if you look at it, actually signs his name at the end of it. He was in prison in Rome, in prison for his faith, and it actually says in this letter that he was in chains. So here's this dude called Paul, not this Paul, the Apostle Paul, chained in Rome, real man, real, real people, and he's writing this letter to this church that he'd never met. And sometimes you know that when people haven't met you and they write you letters or say things about sometimes it's more insightful. And in this case, the Holy Spirit was painting a picture in Paul's mind that he wanted to see come to pass for this church. So it's quite, quite interesting. And I'm going to start reading from um, Colossians chapter 1. And we're just going to, I'm just going to work through it sequentially and just point out a few things that the Lord pointed out to me. I'm going to start reading from verse 19. And it says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Now, when, when you read, you know, if, if you're reading the Bible for the first time, don't start, well, this is just my advice. You can do what you like. But don't start in Genesis. Start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe Mark's a good option to start. And every, everything you see about Jesus in those Gospels, he's actually showing you what God is like. He's showing you the nature, the heart, the passion of God for ordinary people like you and me. And if you're like me, sometimes I don't see myself as lovable. Sometimes I don't see myself as that great. But God does. So what he's been training me to do is that when I see Jesus in the Gospels and things he's doing, loving people, healing them, and then I think in my head, well, that doesn't really apply to me, I say, no, stop it. Stop it. I'm going to go with God's word. I'm going to let God speak Christ over me. Okay? So I'm, I'm changing the way I think in my head. In the next verse, it says this. In verse 20, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. That word reconciled. So if I, you know, if I'm mates with Reuben and we have a big argument and a Barney, and we actually decide, no, I'm not going to have anything more to do with Reuben, never again. Okay? If I see him walk him down the street, I'm just going to go on the other side. And then suddenly, by the grace of God, our friendship is restored, that's reconciliation. That's friendship restored. That's what Jesus has done for us, between us and God. So that I'm just trying to explain that big word, reconciliation. And through him he has reconciled everything to himself. He, had made, he has made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And I read that in, in the uh, Message Bible, it says this, All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people, things, animals, and atoms, get properly fitted and fixed together because of his death and his blood. That's what the Message Bible says. And, and I look around, you know, to be honest, I look at the world around me, and I say, Lord, how is that fixed? 
how is that fixed? And I can get sort of a, a cynical frame of mind in my head. Lord, you know, the world, that's, that's not at peace. It's not fixed. And then this little voice inside my, inside my head says to me, Dave, you're looking at the wrong things. My kingdom is within you. And you, instead of being cynical, you take responsibility. My power, me speaking Jesus over you can change your world, can change your world. And from the inside out, I can change the world around me. It's, if I just wallow in that cynicism and say, you know, you might as well give up. That's not going to accomplish anything. Okay. Cool. Okay, and now um, verse 21. This includes you. So he's made peace with you, brought you back into peace with himself. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Whoa, you know, I can relate to that. Yet now he has reconciled you, made you friends again made you his friend to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy, blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I mean, that's, um, that sort of freaks me out. That sort of freaks me out because when I look at myself sometimes, I think I am anything but holy, blameless and without a single fault. I look at myself sometimes and you know, in my head I, I can see all my faults, I can see all my mistakes, I can see the way I've you know, treated my wife um, in unfair manners at times and, and being selfish. And then the Lord says to me again, that little voice comes to me and says, I'm speaking Jesus over you, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking Christ over you, you receive that, you receive that. And so... You know, that, that's literally what I say over myself. Lord, by the power of the cross, by the power of his resurrection and his life, you see me now holy, blameless, and without a single fault. That is what he is speaking over me. So it's up to me to open up and, and receive that. And receive that. And then in the next verse... In um, verse 23, it says this, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. You must continue to believe this truth. You must continue and stay in it. This is where the rubber meets the road for me, to continue to be steadfast, continue to believe that truth. Do you hear what the Word of God is saying? It says when Jesus paid the price for you and now God sees you as holy, blameless and without a single fault, you've got to hold on to that. You've got to hold, don't take that for granted. The Message Bible says don't walk away from a gift like that. It's a gift. Christianity is about receiving a gift, receiving a gift that he has given to us. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. God speaks Christ over us, holy, blameless, and without 
a single fault. I was thinking about Gideon, and you can read his story in First Kings, I think. Um, First Kings, Second Kings, First Judges. Thank you, Judges, chapter six, I think. And this guy Gideon, there's a, Israel is occupied by an enemy army, and they're trying to starve Israel out, wrecking all their crops trashing everything, and here's this guy Gideon sitting in the bottom of a wine press, thrashing out a little bit of wheat, you know, so he can make a, I don't know, a, um, some little piece of bread or something like that. And then the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, greetings, mighty warrior. <laughs> and here's this guy, you know, just thrashing out this little thing, and he's thinking, you know, he's, who's this guy talking to, you know? Is he talking to me? And the angel of the Lord's talking to him, really speaking Jesus over him, speaking his destiny over him. And he said, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. He spoke that over Gideon. But you must continue to believe this truth. Wayne last week said something really awesome, and he said we've got to guard our hearts. This is literally what the Scripture is telling you to do. Guard your heart. Hold on to that truth. Be determined. Show some grit. Show some grit here. Listening constantly to his voice brings generational blessing. So you are holding on to that truth, not for yourself, but for your family, for unborn grandchildren, for unborn children, for friends for relatives, for people that are in your destiny ahead of you. Don't walk away from a gift like that. Stay engaged and abide. The power of turning over in your mind what God, excuse me, is speaking over you is a powerful, powerful force. I just want to, the next scripture I want to look at is um, Colossians chapter uh, 2, and I'm going to read from verses 6. Um, through 10. And this is uh, verse 6 of chapter 2. Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue, there's that word again, to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep in him and let your lives be built on him. Hear that singleness of purpose. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. Rather than Christ. Another thing that Wayne said Um, Last week was, the world is always yelling stuff at you. In your head, in your mind, you're being bombarded with voices that are not in line with Christ. And this scripture is telling us to filter that out and stay with what Christ is saying to you. Let your heavenly Father speak Christ over you. Open your heart. Stop resisting him. Be at peace with him. Stop striving to religiously please him. Chill out. Christ has paid the price. The Father is already pleased with you as you stand in faith with him. Don't let anybody 
capture you with voices contrary to Christ. The Father speaks Christ, but the world attacks us with arrogance, judgment, criticism, confusion, fear, and worry. Thoughts, words, and actions that are the opposite of holy, blameless, and without a single fault. One of the blessings that's happened to me this year is that um, I have been asked by Kerry High School to come and work with the PE department, um, specifically doing outdoor ed. Um, it's sort of a dream come true. I've been working with the school for a couple of years with just um, kayaking, but this year I'm employed by the school, and uh, this is working with year 12 and 13 students. And when I, when I first took on that challenge, I thought, heck, you know, these are um, young ones that are 16, 17, you look, they're a third of my age. How the heck am I going to keep up, you know, with these guys? And, and, but that, that wasn't my problem. Um, my problem was an attitude adjustment of after, I think it's 20 years, how old's Rachel, 26, 25? Uh, you know, it's a few years since I was dealing with teenage attitudes and um, culture. Um, and it was a major shake-up for me, um, fascinating. And I would, ha at times, I would, and this is in an outdoor hiking situation in the bush and that, I would just have to, um, like, push a circuit breaker just to check out, just to handle it, because I felt my temperature gauge going into the red. <laughs> um, and, and so the teachers, and, you know, I, I just like to put out of there... Um, just that it's been awesome working with these teachers at Kerry High. They're dedicated. Um, they go the extra mile for the young people. And, um, yeah, they're just fantastic people, and they've just really um, inspired me. Um, but I, I just had to w just let it go. And I got so... I would go home after, you know, spending a couple of days with these guys camping in the bush, and I'd be sort of stirred inside. Stern, I thought, how, the, how am I going to cope with this? You know, just these attitudes and the grizzling and the moaning. And Glennis went to get her hair done um, a few weeks ago. And her hairdresser of some 15 years was doing her hair and started telling her about her son who had just been on a hike with these guys for Kerry High School outdoor ed in the Weimar Forest. And Glennis didn't say it was me. And she just kept quiet. And this lady was saying, oh, her boy, you know, he's never going to take outdoor ed next year. He's, they made us go up these huge hills. And you know, my, my attitude is, you know, this is not the chess club. You know, this, this is out, outdoor ed. You know, what, what do you want to do? I'm, I'm not teaching any theory. I'm just doing all the practical stuff. So I don't do any teaching in the classroom. I just take them bush or kayaking or whatever. Um, we're up on the top of this high point in the Weimar Ranges, probably one of the best views in Northland. And, you know, 360 degrees, you can see um, uh, Waikati Mountains, Cape Brett, you can see Pukati Forest and Wada Wada, and you can see down, all down the coast, just incredible. All these guys, um, I've got to stop calling them kids because I got one of the girls said, Dave, are you calling us children? We are not children. Yeah, this, is, this is what you get. It's, it's just awesome. And they, they were all, all lying down, you know, after me marching up, up this hill. And one guy, I won't use his name, I'll call him Bob, he, he's lying there. And I said, okay, you guys, we're going we're gonna to get up now. We're going to bush crash down this ridge, hit this track, and we're going to go back 
you know, that way. And this guy I'm calling Bob, he says to the whole group, just stay there, guys. We don't have to do what this guy says. You know? We don't have to do what he says. <laughs> and, and here's my attitude adjustment. I burst out laughing and I said, I really like you, Bob. Okay, come on, guys, we're going to go. And I just started walking and they all followed me. But what, what the Lord was saying to me was that my attitude was wrong with these, the, these um, students. With these students, my attitude was wrong. The way he challenged me was, and this is how straight he talks to me, sometimes he said, you were racist, you were arrogant. These young ones have not walked your walk. They have not got your life experience. Some of them have never been in the bush before. And so I copped a rebuke. So I needed to change my attitude and hear from that still small voice and calm myself down. And then some of the worst ones that I really struggled with, when I let the Lord just change my attitude, there was something in my heart that loved them. That, that loved even these ones that really pushed the, the turbo button um, on me. Um, it, was, um, it was out, out there. Thank you, Father. And this verse goes on to say that we are complete. For in Christ lives the fullness of God in a human body. And then verse 10 says this, And you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. That freaks me out. You know, he's, he's speaking Christ over me to say that I have come to fullness of life in him. And I thought, Lord, you know, get real. You know, I, I, you know I, I, I'm not being irreverent. I just thought, Lord, I am not complete. I have so much more to grow in. And I, and I felt, I felt that I don't know if this is scripturally correct or whatever, but I'm just going to put this out there. I felt that he has got his faith. God has got his faith in what Christ has done. And he's speaking faith words over us. Because that's what brings life. That's what brings life. If he, if he said over me, oh, that Dave Ramsey, you know, he's just lost it. He's a waste. If God said this, you know, over me, you know, that would snuff out life. And Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So God speaks Christ unwaveringly over each of us. I don't care where you're at. I don't care where you're at. He speaks it over us unfailingly, and that speaks into our destiny, speaks into our, our futures for our family, for those that we are called to. And for me, you know, for me, I want to listen. I want to tweak into that and have that life spoken over me because I know that anything else is, is just is death. The last piece of scripture I want to look at is um, Colossians 2 verses 13 through 15. 
And it says this, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. That's, that's literally, he made you alive. He saw you, he's prophesying over you. He made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. The record of everything that Dave has done wrong does not exist. The power of Christ overwhelmed that. And the sooner that Dave can have that understanding and see that, the better it is all for me and for everybody else that I contact. Even year 12 and 13 students in the bush in the Weimar Forest. It's better for them if Dave is tweaked into it all. Cool. And then the next verse says that he has disarmed the authorities and spiritual rulers and shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That speaks to me of delegated authority that I have the authority through the power of Jesus to speak to those thoughts that come contrary to what God is speaking and tell them to be quiet and replace them with the word. Because yes. it starts with the, the thoughts, starts with those little whispers that come to our heads. Or like Wayne said, the world yelling at us. Do this, do this. You should be not wrong. Quiet. Instead, the word of God, we replace it with the voice of Christ. Forgiven. You are right with God. You are whole. You are holy. You are blameless and without a single fault. All with a spirit of thanksgiving and humility. And humility. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your awesome grace. You poured out your love upon us through Jesus. And Father, we accept that. We believe that with just thanksgiving and humility.